Um, today's message is about joy. And it is recognizing this incredible gift that God has given to us. The, the, the series is called Invasion. We normally think of a kind of a military takeover when we think of invasion. But God's modus operandi, Latin for his method of operation, his means of doing something, is typically upside down from the humanistic, conquering, riding on a white horse takeover kind of mentality. His invasion is a quiet one that creeps in and then surprises you. Jesus didn't come out of heaven riding a white horse down into the earth uh, wielding a sword, but he came as the most vulnerable thing on the planet, which is the child of a human, a baby, a baby boy into an impoverished little hamlet in Israel by the name of Bethlehem. I, I recognize this morning that so many times we don't recognize God when he moves. I'm stating that I see now that I didn't see it when it was happening because I looked for the Lord in a different kind of way than what he, the way He came. I expected Him to do one thing and He came another. And so God has invaded the planet. He, he has shown up in a way so that He could demonstrate for us this thing called the kingdom of God. The birth of Jesus brings that longing that was declared by prophets and saints and sages for millennia that a king was coming, a Messiah, one who would bear the weight of the government upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government... I'm sorry, it says, And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It did say the government shall be upon his shoulder. I skipped that part. And verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. It's always on the increase. What began in, as a seed form as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem touched 12 disciples that touched the world, that became 120 on the day of Pentecost, that as Peter preached became 3,000 that were born and brought into the church that day. And a couple of days later, 5,000 more born. And over the last two millennia, over the last 2,018 years, multiplied hundreds of millions, yes, even billions of people have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. To the point now that we, as believers on this planet, right now, confessing Christ as Lord and Savior, are more numerous than all of those who have lived and gone before us. So it's an amazing day of the increase of God's kingdom. His glory, the Bible says, will ultimately and will eventually, the knowledge of that glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So as dark and as difficult and as evil as these times look, God is still dispensing darkness with a little light that began, a candlelight that began in a manger 2,000 years ago. With that invasion, He has planted hope in our hearts and the hope of God arrived on the scene and that hope has brought with it joy and peace. Somebody say amen. And so this morning I, I want to jump into our text for the series it's found in the, in the message called The Joy Invasion. The text is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. King James calls this the great mystery of godliness. NLT explains those churchy theological terms and says it this way. This Christian life is a great mystery, far exceeding our understanding. But some things are clear enough. 
He appeared in a human body, was proved right by the invisible spirit, was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples, believed in all over the world, and taken up into heavenly glory. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? It is the great hymn writer Isaac Watts who published in 1719 the most recorded, most published, one of our most beloved Christmas hymns. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Verse 2 says, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their hearts employ, their songs employ. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Everybody goes immediately to the fourth verse. We skip three. Three is so amazing. We want to jump right into He Rules the World. But verse 3 says, No more let sin nor sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings known, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Because when the baby filled the manger 2,000 years ago, the antidote to the venom of the serpent in, in the Garden of Eden was brought to bear in the planet. The antidote, the antivenom of what was injected into mankind because of the treasonous act of disobedience and the face of God that said, hang on, hang on, I've got this. Leave this one tree alone. Everything else out here is yours, but leave that one alone. And Eve was deceived and she brought in her husband Adam and he sinned by failing to mention to his wife, wait a minute, our trust is in God. Let's let's, let's remember what the word of the Lord says. And they listened to the present tense voice of the slithering serpent, the the subtle one. The one, the Bible, the the word serpent literally means whisperer. And that's the the struggle that we face so many times from from our neck up. Was it Zig Ziglar said, we need a checkup from the neck up because many times our struggles are what we're thinking and the the battle zone is in the mind and it's, it's not wrestling against people but it's wrestling against spiritual principalities and powers and mentalities or ways of thinking. And instead of speaking up, Adam was the silent one and he plunged us into darkness, but the light came in the babe in the manger of Bethlehem and God quietly invaded the planet. And with that hope, he brought joy and with joy, he's brought us peace. And so this morning, I just want to give account out of the the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 2 gives us this testimony. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were what? Terrified. How many of you know if an angel shows up? You're probably going to be scared. (laughs) Do you recognize that in the Bible every time one showed up, the first words out of the mouth of the angel was, fear not, don't be afraid. There is a repetition of that. I want to say that to you. I want to communicate that that to you. I want to inject that into your spirit in these days of tumultuous times, of, uh, of, of, uh, of unrest in our community and in our country and in our nation, around the world, global unrest, economic difficulty, all these crises that we face on a regular basis. I just want to say to you that Jesus Christ is the stability and the strength of our times, as said in the book of Isaiah. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you what? Everybody say, good news. I love that. This is the beginning of the herald 
the, the euangelion, the, the, the declaration of the gospel of God. Evangelion is the Greek word for evangel. It's the evangelism. It's the good news that we carry about this one that we've longed for for thousands of years has now shown up and he's in this little bitty vulnerable seed-like form of this little baby boy in a manger in Bethlehem born to this 15-year-old virgin. They were all in doubt about that. But Joseph stepped up to become the earthly father, the caretaker, the steward the one who would raise him in a carpenter's home, teach him how to be strong and teach him to love the word of his father that he would know better than anyone else. It says, but the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring, say it with me, great joy to just the Israel people, Israelite nation, just the Hebrews, just the Jews, just one particular race, one ethnicity. No, this was to, everybody say it, to all people. So God has a global vision. God has always been about love for the whole world. He's always had a heart for all of creation. Red and yellow, black and white. He is, his, his heart bleeds and hurts because of injustices that are built into societies that are unequal and unfair. And so his good news is to all people. We'll go ahead and get the next verse. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. One thing I want to bring to you this morning as we talk about this great joy to all people. This one thing is kind of the chorus of the song I'm going to sing. Got about three verses to it. We're going to get a chorus every time. Read it with me out loud. Here we go. Joy is a salvation byproduct of knowing Jesus. It is the overflow of a living relationship in the presence of the Lord. One more time, like you mean it. Come on. Joy is a salvation byproduct of knowing Jesus. It is the overflow of a living relationship in the presence of the Lord. What, I'm, what I mean by byproduct is when you come to know Jesus, it is just automatically produced. It just comes along with it. The writer of Hebrews says, we are persuaded of better things for you, things that accompany salvation. So there's some stuff that goes with trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Joy is one of them. It is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. It is the fruit of salvation. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all of those that are listed beyond. Joy is one of those fruits that is produced out of a living relationship that is rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, who is the vine and we are the branches. Somebody say amen. amen. Point number one, real joy is found in the presence of the Lord. Real joy is found in the presence of the Lord. And there's a couple of scriptures here for this point that I'd like to go ahead and jump in. Then I'm, I'm not really going to preach today. just want to share from my heart for a few moments because this is, a, this is a moment. This is a moment in our family, in our spiritual family. First of all, I'm excited that this is the last Sunday for a while that I'll have to preach two times in a row. I'm excited to get all of you into one location, one service, let you meet each other so that next time you invite somebody in Kroger and they go, that's where I go to church. Where have you been? <laughs> And they go, oh, well, okay, well, I go to the 9 o'clock, well, I come to 1045. We're all going to come to 10. We're going to meet in the middle. And I'll just say this to you right now. I really don't think it's going to be very long before we'll be back to 9 and 1045. We're excited. It's going to be an amazing season. God's giving us a new opportunity. A new chapter is opening. This is what David the psalmist said in Psalm 16. He said, you will show me the way of life, granting me, say it, the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Uh, King James says it this way, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your, at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
So I'm grateful the real joy. Real joy is not just the tingling excitement that you get when you have longed for something for a little while and you get a, a material thing. The smell of the new car because it wears out. It, it, it goes away. Your family smells start to show up in it and you start having to hang something off of the mirror to <laughs> refresh the area. A new house, a new relationship, uh, even a new baby. I mean, you know, you, you settle down into, there is this excitement initially, and then you settle down into the day-to-day the, the -day mundane routine that it's going to take to raise that child for the next 21 years to become a profitable citizen, a responsible person in the kingdom of God. Say amen. And let's just face it, there are days that you're not in the mood to have to do all that. But because you love that baby, you sacrifice and you give and you start to find joy in moments where you wouldn't normally define as joyful. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and it's, it's with that that I'm, I stand here this morning because I remember when we started January the 8th, 1989, and we, we moved here, didn't have a team behind us. We didn't have three years of committed church planting offerings that were dedicated to us. We didn't start with a quarter of a million dollar budget the way so many church planting teams do these days or $100,000 or whatever. And a ready set team where you've already got a youth person and a children's ministry person and a worship person, some music, and then, then the lead person. Basically, if I can just say it this way, and I don't mean it in any kind of arrogant way at all, all of that was wrapped up right in here. And we showed up and we started just trying to build a team. And we, we met for three months over here in what used to be the Ramada Inn in the conference room. And, and, and immediately folks kind of got excited and they showed up and we had 20, 22, 25, 27 people coming. And I thought, man, this is going to be crazy. And the next thing, we, we about three months, we got in down here at 620 West Broadway, which is right across the street from the high school football stadium, West Memphis High School on Broadway. And we were in there for about three and a half years or so. Uh, April of 1993, we moved into this facility. But let me give you a little bit of background history behind that because we ha had been living here. We moved in around uh, the 1st of December 1988. We lived with my folks for the first three months, and that was a challenge because no roof is big enough for more than one family. And um, we're, we're moving in, and when we come back, you know, it's like the old joke about, you know, when they come back, they've multiplied. They bring others with them. And so I moved back home, but here comes my wife and my 11-month-old son at the time. I remember my younger brother who grew up in the middle bedroom. Middle of the night, Drew's crib is right there, who's 30 years old now. Drew's crib is right there in the same room with me and Dawn. And he wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's just screaming. And... And so we're, I'm having to run in there to the microwave and, and gently warm up the bottle and then shake it and check it and shake it all the way through so there's not any hot spots in it. And I remember hearing Dewey from his bedroom say, just give him the bottle already. <laughs> and I started laughing. Because, <laughs> you know, it's my kid and I'm understanding. He's in the middle of the night and he's hungry. And my brother, and we never had a fuss. It was great. But Dawn was going, find me a place to live. Get me out of this house. And so she prayed, and I sat up in the middle of the bed one night in the middle of a dream and said, Carlisle. And she got upset because I dated a girl in college whose name was Carlisle, last name. And I said, no, 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 but it was not that kind of dream, baby. No, 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 I swear, I promise. 
And this is a whole 45-minute testimony, but long story short, she had prayed and she'd asked the Lord for a little white two-story house on the corner with a fenced-in backyard, and we rode all over town looking for a place, and we pulled in right there at Balfour and Carlisle one day, and I looked, and Dawn said, oh, this is a cute little house, let's, let's look at it, and I turned around and looked out of the back window of my Aunt Lucille's Cadillac, and the street we were sitting on was Carlisle, and I said, baby, this is your house right here. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, but the Lord talks to me in kind of unusual ways. And it may be a dream. It may be a, a strong impression. And, and so we lived in Carlisle, on Carlisle, for seven years. And we would go to Memphis on Friday night, and we'd take Drew, and we'd go to get something to eat somewhere. And every time we would come back into town, we would pull in under the overpass out here, and Dawn would point to the mall, and she would say, Michael, before we build a church, we will have church over there in that mall. And I said, you're crazy. No, that's not going to happen. And I just let it go. And we, two or three weeks later, we're coming back from Memphis. And she's, there we are. It's dark. And she points over to the mall and she says, Michael, I'm telling you, I know you don't hear this, but I'm promising you before we build a church, we will have church over there in that mall. And I said, yeah, right. Like Sears is going to go out of business. Y'all guess where you're sitting for the last 26 years. What this used to be, everybody say it, Sears. I remember the day that Richard Flowers from Guarantee Loan called me in my little office down there at 620 West Broadway, and he says, uh, Pastor Smith, he said, we've heard that your church is growing and that you're looking for some more space. How would you like to come down to the mall for a little time? Now, him not knowing that a little time was going to be 26 years. <laughs> I tell you, I ate crow when I got home that night because I came and looked at it and I, I said, guess where I've been today? She said, where? I said, well, I've been to the mall. She said, what are you doing down there? I said, well, Garrity called me today and asked if we might be interested in rent. She said, don't tell me it's the Sears space. I said, yeah, baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> she just looked at me on the way, only way Dawn can, never said it, but her, her total expression and pointing her finger and doing this said, it all said, I told you so, I told you so. And so this morning, that's a little bit of history that I've probably, a lot of you in the room have never heard. She was very prophetic. She really could tap in and pray and, and hear the voice of the Lord. It was a great compliment to me for so many years. And um, so I'm a little nostalgic about this place because I remember stepping off this platform and taking so many little bundles of joy into my hands and lifting them up the way we do here at Victory and saying, Father, we come alongside this family. We dedicate this baby to you. We commit. They're going to walk with these parents. And I'd call their names and I'd lift up the baby and I would always come with the meaning of the baby's name and say, this is prophetic over your life. We're calling this into being, mighty warrior, champion of God, daughter of grace, you know, whatever it is. And I, I remember all those moments because scores and scores of children, some of you are grown now, have come here and you've met the Lord in, the, in a difficult time. You've seen the Lord come in here in a dry season in your life and Him re-inject you with joy and hope. And, and some of you, He sneaked into your life and He made an invasion into your life and He brought peace and He brought love and He brought hope when everywhere else about your life felt completely joyless and peaceless and hopeless in so many kinds of ways. And so, if you'll forgive me for a moment, I'm a little bit nostalgic. I'm so excited to meet you next Sunday morning 
out there the 23rd of January in our new place, but this is a moment in my life because this is the last message this time, this second service of today that I will preach in this room. And I'm so grateful for people who've laid down their lives, who have sacrificed, who have prayed for me, who prayed for me when I've been wrong, who've loved me when I've been arrogant, and who've encouraged me when I've been humbled, who've stood with me when I've been broken at the lowest points of my life when grief was so strong that it would nauseate me and make me sick to my stomach. I'm so grateful for people who have given sacrificially, people who have, who have, who have given things that they've dreamed of. Jerome Alford had spent years of his life restoring a 1965 Pontiac GTO. And when it came time to start talking about buying property, he said, Pastor, I'm going to give that car to Victory Church. And he gave that car, and we, we gave away opportunities for people to win it. If you give, you know, buy a $100 opportunity. <laughs> and so we raffled that thing off is basically what it was. And then someone in the church won it and drove it back the next day and gave it back to the church. And so we took it and then sold it to a professional car dealer who then gave us a great big amount of profit. And we ended up making $70,000 off that car. That was the seed money. I remember in the mid-90s when Verna Billingsley pulled into the church parking lot and she handed me a check and I had to lean against my car because it said $50,000 on it. And it said seed money for our new church building. And that was 26 years ago, 25 years ago. People that have been doing this not just recently. People that have been believing in this vision for, for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And who stood with me in, in, in the face of times when occasionally somebody would get a little disgruntled and offended and leave and go, oh, that's never going to happen. What are they doing with the money down there? And you know what? I just want, kind of want to go look back and go, come back and visit us now. It's homecoming. We'll forgive the little nasty things you said in the community. Because guess what? The building's out there. and We're about to go rejoice in it next Sunday morning. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for stuff that I've been through. I'm thankful for lesson, life lessons that I've learned that I couldn't have learned from a book. I couldn't have learned from, 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 from a school. I couldn't have learned from somebody else's experience. I had to go through it myself. And I've seen God answer great prayers and people just receive dire circumstances of, 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 of the word from a doctor and then God miraculously healed them. I've... Forgive me, I'm just going to say it, but, but Shelby, Joe, and Caleb are sitting right over here, a testimony, just, just, just struggling, trying to have, have a baby, and spent money trying to have that baby. And you know what? Doctors said it's just the chances of it are it's just not going to happen. You know what? They've got a little baby boy over there right now that the Lord brought into their lives. And I could start pointing around the room at prayers that we prayed and, and prayers that God has answered and prayers that He didn't answer the way we thought He would and, and that have just blown us away in times when it was difficult and we had to learn how to lean into God and to put our trust in Him. He gave us His presence and His presence showed up. And thank God for that joy. Put your hands together and give Him praise this morning. He rules the world with truth and grace and He makes the nations prove the glory of His love and the wonders of His love and His grace. I'm so thankful because of the joy that He has invaded the world with. It is great joy to all people. This is the good news. David wrote in 1 Chronicles 16, he says that honor and majesty surround Him. That's the God of heaven. He says strength and joy fill His dwelling the issue is that we need to bring into our dwellings, into our homes, and it can't come into our homes unless it comes into our hearts. That is the joy of the Lord that will invade our lives. 
my children. I'm so grateful. I shared an amazing week with Drew and Holly, his new wife, and with Abby. Tuesday night, we were on the top floor of the Sony building, and we gathered with about 25 amazingly talented key people. The CEO of Sony Music Worldwide is standing in there, and I saw my daughter with a book in front of her sign a mega two-record deal. This amazing team is behind her. I mean, it was worse than buying a house. You know how you just think you're sounding your life away and you sign your signature about 3,000 times and it was like that and folding over. And, and every time she would sign her name, she would stop and point to somebody in the room and she would say something that was very prophetic. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, I'm so glad that you taught me to never quit because you taught me to never quit. I'm sitting here today and my dreams are before me in terms of being able to touch the world with music that is infused Lyrics that are infused with the kingdom of God, but they're not churchy. They're not churchy. It's going, to, it's going to touch people of all different kinds of varieties and genres. And, and, and she said, that's my dream. And there wasn't a dry eye in the place. People were crying all over the room. And she stopped to talk to Ross and David, her managers, and Mark Ronson. By the way, he was on SNL last night. Uh, he was the one who was responsible for handing Sony a, a song that Abby had written originally and sung in the studio that he had produced. And they gathered together with just all the heads of Sony all over the world and they literally stood up and gave it a standing ovation. And that's when Peter Edge said, I, get that girl in here, I need to talk to her. And so the Lord is opening doors. And in the middle of that, my precious baby girl has, has been through so much and she's still wrestling with God. Why is it that I'm celebrating these amazing things in my life that such a few people ever get to experience and my mama's not here to celebrate it with me? And I just have to, have to just say, baby, I understand, but we've, we've got to go on. She's cheering you on from the grandstands of heaven. And she's proud of you. She's excited about what's happening in your life. And it's, it's moments like that that joy carries me. It's moments like that that every day of my life I've popped my eyes open, especially since dawn is gone every day of my life since then, and I've spoken the words, I choose joy. On days that I don't feel like it, that I don't feel joyful, that I'm not in the mood to be joyful. There's nothing that is joyful about me. But yet I say, God, I thank you today by your grace. I choose joy. When I've been so hurt, when I've been so down, God has lifted me up because Real joy, my second point, real joy is a gift from God that affects those around us. Real joy is a gift from God that affects those around us. This has become a life verse for me since dawn passed. And the Bible says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you, read it with me, completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. That's become a touchstone for me. Because of the hope that God has brought into my heart, invaded my life with. I'm so thankful to have two children that love the Lord, that, that are sane, that, that preacher's kids are typically the worst, y'all. Just get out and sow a whole, whole farm load of wild oats. And, and, and I'm so thankful that I have children that are not church hurt. They love the people of God. They love victory. They have wonderful memories here because so many preacher's kids grow up hating church because the way they've seen the people treat their mom and dad. 
And I'm thankful for amazing memories for my children who love you, who love this church, who love the Lord. I'm thankful that my baby girl sat in a room where the, the combined uh, uh, monetary uh, uh, accumulation wealth of that room was in the multiplied millions of dollars, but she wasn't afraid to mention the name of Jesus with all of those heads of Sony right there. And how important the Holy Ghost is to her. I love that part. That's just, that's just great. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful because God knows we've been to hell and back. And it's God that's brought us some joy and helped us through this. Last point, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this morning. Real joy transforms our problems into praise. This is what the Bible says in 1 Peter. It says, read it with me. So what? So be what? Truly glad. Does it say be mad? Does it say be sad? What does it say? So be truly glad. There is wonderful what? Wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for what? A little while. Lord, we live between this, this vast eternity past and eternity future. And we're in this little bitty blip of time. James says our lives are like the morning fog. Job says it's like the mist or the cloud of the day. That's here and then it's gone. And I'm so thankful that in the middle of this, God gives me the opportunity to cry out to Him in the middle of my mess, in the middle of everything that is jacked up in my life. And He looks to me and He says, for everything there is a season and there is a time and there's a purpose for everything under heaven. And if you won't quit, if you won't give up, He says, I will make everything beautiful in my time. I will take your mess and I will make it a message so that somebody else's life can be touched. But you got to learn to lean into Him even though you go through many trials for a little while. Next verse, it says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is, by be it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Last verse. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And he concludes by saying, you love him even though you have never seen him. I've, I've never seen Jesus in the flesh. But I love him because his spirit has invaded my life. His joy has come into my heart. His peace has filled my mind. The Bible says that, that I can literally live in a kind of a relationship with him that is alive, that I don't have to be anxious for anything, but by prayer and through supplication with thanksgiving, I can make my request known to God and the peace of God will set a guard, a garrison round about me in my mind through Jesus Christ, my Lord. It will protect my mind and my thoughts and my thinking. I'm thankful for that. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him and you rejoice, read it with me, rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The, the King James says, uh, unspeakable and full of glory. An incredible kind of joy that comes. It's, it's undefinable. It's, it's, you can't put words in the place of it to define it because it just lifts you up. In the middle of the storm, it buoys you up when the water's trying to swallow you up and drown you. It, it, it lifts you up. When you begin to take your problem and make it a praise and say, God, intentionally, I'm going to give you praise though I don't feel like it. I'm going to give you praise though I don't have the strength to do it. In the middle of your weakness, strength shows up and it's called the joy of the Lord. I got up this morning to get dressed, dealing with my dogs. I got three again. <laughs> Abby came in for Thanksgiving and she brought Shaka back to me. Um, which, by the way, is named after the actual Shaka Khan, a friend of Abby's. And um, 
beautiful golden doodle, very spirited. She's up to about 75 pounds now. Oh, don't woo at that. Odie's 108. And when I'm up in my man cave chilling in front of the TV, Odie comes and stretches his 108 pounds across me, wants to get his snout right up in my face and give me kisses. And I'm going, no, no kisses. I love you, but back up. And then there's Copper, a little 40-pound. He's like a Chicano. He's, he's a little, you got to watch Copper. He's running the show. He's the smartest of all, th- all three of them. And so I'm up this morning, I'm trying to get the dog food out, and I'm trying to let them outside and do their business after being in the kennel all night. And, and so I got all that done, got out of the shower, got dressed, and I'm trying to get to church. It's about 8.15, and I can't find my wallet. And I'm looking all over the place because Copper, Odie, Shaka just occasionally find items that they think are interesting, and they'll take them off and chew them. Um, one of my iPads... I left outside several months back and went inside for a minute and walked through the bedroom and the TV was on and what was on TV caught my attention. I sat down to watch a quick segment and I woke up 45 minutes later and it was, a rush came over me knowing that when I got back out there they had wrangled my iPad and the leather case it was in all over the backyard and the iPad had like a thousand cracks in it. So I'm thinking, okay, one of these dogs has gotten my wallet because I'm very, very ordered about putting things in the right place and keeping them there. I'm searching. I went out to the car twice, looked at my console. I went back upstairs, looked on my desk, pulled the desk drawer open. I wrangled through that, back downstairs to the car, to the console again, went through my bag that's sitting here on the front row. Can't find my wallet. I'm starting to get a little upset because I've got a debit card, a couple credit cards, and a couple of Benjamins that were left over from my New York trip. And so, you know, it's not a whole lot of money, but I don't want to lose 200 bucks any more than you do. And so I'm going, okay, where's my wallet? And so I'm just, I'm, I'm starting to sweat. I've run up and down the steps so many times, and I've gone around all over the house. And 8, 8.15 has become 8.30, and I still haven't found it. And I'm, I'm, I'm back out third time in my car, and I just happen to reach and touch. <laughs> there it is right there. And I stopped right there in my garage in the dark, light from the car door that was open coming out. And I said, Lord, is there something wrong with me? <laughs> a, couple of you, a couple of y'all have done this before, so you know what I'm talking about. Jack Murphy came up to me and he said, I searched for two hours one day for my glasses only to realize they were sitting right on top of my head. So I stopped and I was kind of upset for a second. I said, Lord, is there something wrong with me? And he said, no, it was just a tiny whisper, just barely there. He said, no, but you tell my people this morning that there's some of them that are frantically looking for the thing that they already have. The joy that is elusive, the Christmas spirit you're trying to find. You know, you, you, you got the little pot of cinnamon sticks and apple flavoring and all this stuff cooking on the stove, trying to create some smell, some vibe in the house. You got your Christmas music on, stringing lights on the trees, wrapping paper, and you got tape all over the place, and you're just struggling. You're frantically trying to create. You're looking for some Christmas joy. Maybe you're looking for a new job, maybe a new house. Lord, help us, maybe a new spouse. I'm not going there, but whatever. It's always looking for something different. We always have to have the latest fix, and you get the new car, and before you know it, the fresh smell is gone. And before you know it, the, the new wears off the new, new kid. The new wears off the new house. The new wears off that new 
clothes. You're going to wrap, unwrap some presents just in a few days. You're going to have a great time being excited that you got what you wanted. And I'll tell you, in three months, you're going to be cleaning up the bathroom floor with it, with your foot. How many of you know what I'm talking about? None of that stuff matters. What we're looking for is a sense of peace in our hearts and hope that God has for a future in front of us and some joy that comes as a byproduct of a salvation experience where we have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And it comes from being in His presence. The thing that I'm so excited about, we had a serve team meeting last Sunday night and we had 125, 130 people there that are on the serve team. We had two huddles on the front end and the back end of it, in a 30-minute prayer and worship segment in our new sanctuary. And I'm sitting at that brand-new digital grand, Roland Grand Piano that Park Avenue Artists gave to us, Abby's managers. And I'm just leading one Christmas song, Oh, come let us adore him. And y'all, we stood together and sang that, and the sweetest presence of Jesus just settled down over that whole room. I didn't even tell this in the first service, but the coolest thing happened. I I prayed a real quick prayer, and I said, this is not about the pastor praying a cool, well-worded, thought-out, theologically sound, biblically enriched prayer. This is about you as the team, as the congregation of people from Victory. I want you to come up here, take this microphone and pray. And y'all, youth started flooding the stage. and started praying. Kids... And it started happening just spontaneously. And I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. So I just want to tell you, right now, when we get there, the presence of God will be there because we're bringing Him with us. So you don't have to be afraid that there's something really cool about this spot because what's in this spot that touches your heart is going to be in that spot as well. I know it's hard sometimes for folk to change, but this is going to be an upgrade. This is going to be a lift up. We've got a new tool to be able to better reach the people of the Delta. Because I've had people before tell me, when you get in a permanent building, I'll I'll come check it out because I'm not coming to a church in the mall. You know what? I just want to say thank you this morning to all of y'all that were brave enough to do that because you have some history with us. You've you've lived through this and you've trusted God and you've seen God show up in a mighty way and, and you've got a couple of notches in your belt that we're thankful. We're not better than and we're going to serve with all of our hearts sacrificially. Because God's going to give us a great chance to touch a whole bunch of people. And that's what it's all about in the first place. It's not about us, but it's about Jesus. And I promise you, He's going to sit down in that place and touch more hearts. And we're going we're to dedicate more babies and we're going to baptize more believers. We're going to marry folks. We're going to celebrate lives of those who've gone on to be with the Lord. We're going to trust God in the middle of all of it. And God's going to show up and do some amazing things. If you believe that, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. If I trust God in the fire and my faith is more precious than gold that has been tested by fire, he says that joy will literally become a part and an inexpressible, a joy that words cannot define. This morning, I want to say to you, if that's a moment where you feel like you are right now, your life is defined by many trials and it doesn't seem like a little while, there are struggles, there are temptations, sin, You know what? Jesus is not shocked by that. He came to deal with it. He wasn't just the baby in the seed form in the manger of Bethlehem, but he grew up and became a full-grown man who was a champion, a conqueror. 
told his disciples, except you forsake all and follow me, you're not my disciples. So this morning, it's only right to not just celebrate a baby because everybody loves a baby. But celebrate the baby that grew up to a full-grown God-man. And he hung between heaven and earth. And he said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his hands and he died for you and for me. This morning, because of that, hope has come. Joy has invaded. Peace is a gift. Today, I would ask you for just a moment, if you would bow your hearts and close your eyes. Nobody looking around.